Welcome to Westside Podcast. Each week, we'll take a relevant topic under the microscope to see what the Bible has to say about it. You will gain tools and information you need to support your faith walk and build Christ-centered families in Kansas City and beyond. I'm your host, Troy Kennedy. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Westside Podcast. It's great to see you guys. I'm Troy Kennedy, your host, and this is my brother, banjo player, aficionado, man about town, Randy Frazee. How you doing, my friend? It's doing great, my friend. Yeah, we are excited to be with you. We actually we actually did this. This is the second time we're doing this episode. We did it like a week ago and just had this animated, wonderful conversation, you know, thinking God is really moving and doing something powerful. And then uh, it turns out that um, only seven minutes of it got recorded and uh, something happened technically. So oddly enough, it's about spiritual warfare. So could it I don't be know, Satan? Could it be? <laughs> we might be getting a little resistance somewhere. Maybe something good is going to happen here. So uh, we're praying that it is, and that you are going to be blessed by the conversation. But spiritual warfare is kind of an esoteric topic for a lot of people, depending on what stream of Christianity that you run in. And for us, you know, it's not something we honestly talk a whole lot about. Yeah, but we need to talk about it. Yeah, you know, because this podcast is really trying to provide a venue for mm-hmm. Westside pastors to chat about things we don't have time. On a Sunday morning, uh, but we really give ourselves to a deep dive into the scriptures. And this is a subject, Old and particularly New Testament, yeah. has a lot to say. Spiritual warfare is real, mm-hmm. and the scriptures gives us an understanding of what it is and how right. to handle it. So uh, we need to equip you with this. Yeah, we've been going through this thing called the One Campaign in Kansas City, and actually all over the world, mm-hmm. cities are partnering with us, listening to uh, dramatized audio versions of the four or the three synoptic gospels. And it's very interesting when you listen to a dramatized version of yeah. that, how often you hear. Yeah the voices of demons and even the voice of Satan shows up in, in the gospels and with amazing regularity. Yeah. And yeah. to dramatize it, they really kind of like yeah. synthesize the voice or <laughs> yeah. do something with you do a good yeah. imitation of it. It's but a little, it's a little bit creepy, but it's be um, creepy, but yeah. how many times it comes yeah. up, it's because it's there right. in the word right. of God yeah. and, and the, and the, and the, and the, the evil forces mm-hmm. are at work in the times of Jesus and our, our yeah. in our times as well. Over and over again, you see mm-hmm. Jesus talking about, casting out uh, evil spirits, casting out demons, a demon who, you know, had made somebody Mm -hmm. mute. And then his disciples go off and apparently they're doing it and they come back and tell Jesus, they're amazed that they can cast out all these demons. And so there's this really overt spiritual warfare that is happening Mm -hmm. right there on the surface with Jesus and the disciples in that culture. The truth is, though, the kind of spiritual warfare that we face here in the West in places like the United States it's not so overt. It's probably a lot more subtle. It's a lot more nuanced. It's a lot more covered up um, because what greater deception is there for, for the Satan to say that people don't believe he's actually there. Mm-hmm. So we want to talk about this. See, the term spiritual warfare is not really even found in Scripture, but the concept is certainly taught. And two of the most commonly associated passages were written by the Apostle Paul. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to go right to 2 Corinthians chapter 10. And this is what Paul is saying. And this is a guy who is living in that culture, dealing with directly with these things. He says this, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. 
The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. He is telling us there is a war, but it's not the kind of war we're used to fighting, uh, you know, between people on the surface. And then he goes in Ephesians chapter 6, which is probably the, the quintessential mm -hmm. passage on spiritual warfare. He says, finally... Be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. It's quite a mouthful. It is. And I, I as you're reading those passages, you know, one of the previous podcasts we did, we kind of gave like a Ghostbusters analogy that if you could shine a special ghost blue light, you right. know, uh, you know, <laughs> is it blue light? Is that what yeah, they call yeah, it? Yeah, black light. Black light. Yeah, I mean, yeah. you know, that I think we would be shocked at the level or mm -hmm. the dimensions of, of spiritual beings mm -hmm. and spiritual forces that are at work within us. And, uh, and I think your earlier point that, uh, that in the United States we can't see it. But I don't think it means it's any less strong. As right. a matter of fact, it might be stronger because, as Paul said here, we have a tendency in the United States to think our enemy is flesh and blood right. uh, because we don't see the spiritual forces as overtly as they do in northern India, for right. example, uh, where, I mean, missionaries who had never seen a spirit, as, a spirit at all goes like, no, it's real. I didn't want to see right. it. I saw it. So I just think it's a, it's a, it's a real thing. Uh, and, uh, and and the Scripture doesn't just tell it. It's there, but it gives us an uh, understanding of what it is and how to deal with it, which I know we're going right. to be getting to. Well, spiritual warfare, it's <clears throat> understanding there's a conflict in the spiritual world, like you said, all around us. Mm -hmm. What we don't entirely understand is, is exactly how it has influence in the natural world, but it appears to. Yep. It appears to have some kind of influence in people, some kind of interaction. Scripture talks about it all over the place. Uh, I was watching this movie with my boy a little while ago, if you've ever seen Cal Constantine. And um, it's Keanu Reeves, so you know it's awesome. And, yeah, oh yeah. Um, and we, but the whole point of Constantine is they do this really great parallel in the natural world, and then somehow like the supernatural world gets manifest, and you see how these things are actually interacting in, in a parallel sense. They're yeah. just like they're parallel realities that that have some strange interaction with one another. We don't really entirely understand. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And so I'm not advocating you show this movie to your eight year olds or anything because it's a little bit. Intense. Out there, but I have to tell you, movies like that, and mm -hmm. I've seen other movies that uh, where uh, artists, you know, are trying to give a rendering of the spirit world or parallel worlds. Mm -hmm. And uh, I'm not a super sci-fi guy, but when I watch that uh, in against against the scriptures, it gives me kind of a mental model by which to think about passages like Ephesians six. So yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I think it's really powerful to see an image like that. Well, you know. There is conflict in the spirit all around us, and it has influence on our physical world. The already defeated enemy and his minions want to destroy all that is good, mm. and they want to render the children of God weak and defeated, though they are already victorious through Christ. So here's, here's the bottom line. Jesus wants to give you abundant life, mm. and the enemy wants to steal it from you. Mm. And this is, this is the conflict. Jesus says it like this in the book of John, speaking of believers as sheep, with Jesus himself being the shepherd. He says in John 10, the thief, this is Satan, only comes to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. 
So there is a spiritual battle between the forces of evil and God's kingdom that has impact on our physical world. And God temporarily allows this conflict uh, to continue until Jesus returns to establish his eternal kingdom. Mm -hmm. So I I heard somebody tell this story a long time ago, and I think it's interesting. It's like you live in a beach house on Normandy during Mm D-Day, you know, and you're Mm -hmm. in there having coffee and, you know, you're eating your breakfast Mm -hmm. and all around you, there's this unbelievable battle waging all the time. And it's kind of like that for us as Christ followers. We don't really understand the level of conflict that's happening in the spiritual economy all around us all the time. So true. So uh, what's the nature of spiritual warfare? So um, we talked about, you know, if you go to overseas, you go to like places like Africa or South America, a lot about about two-thirds of the world believes in some kind of spiritism. Mm-hmm. Um, I've spent a lot of time in Brazil, and mm-hmm. it's a very powerful movement there in Brazil that kind of brings in elements of voodoo and Santeria yeah. and Christianity and the New Age movements, and there's sort of this melding of spiritual influences that, that and I've talked to people, missionaries over there, who have absolutely seen just crazy manifestations of this. But here in the West, in the United States, right, it doesn't exactly look like that. So um, I believe the primary battle there and here is for the mind, Mm. right? As Christ followers, we don't believe that the enemy can know your mind, but the enemy can speak to your mind. Mm -hmm. And most of us has probably had some kind of sense of this kind of conflict happening in us. And so we want to give you just a little bit of outline of how it seems the enemy typically works. Yes. And I think this is a pattern that goes all the way back in Genesis, if you go into the garden yeah. and just look at the pattern of how the serpent uh, approached Adam and Eve. The, this, this, this really wonderful outline you're getting ready to share, which I think believers need to really be dialed in on, is uh, the pattern mm-hmm. that he used with Adam and Eve, and he's still using it today and it's working on so many believers, right. and it doesn't need to. Right. So I think the primary way that the enemy sort of exerts his influence is through deception. Um, he is the father of lies. Jesus says in John chapter 8, you, he's talking to the Pharisees, belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. And when he lies, he speaks his native tongue, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So the enemy, his main tool is deception, and, and it confuses us. There's this element of deception and falsehood in every ploy that he brings out. He is subtle and he is smart. And once again, he can speak lies to your mind, but he can't know your mind. It's He's not this um, co-equal evil where that is evil and God is good. And they have like sort of have the same kind of pattern. No, the, he is a created being. Yep, lesser he, than. He's lesser than God. He's powerful, but he's certainly on no level with God. He's created. And so he doesn't have the omnipresence and the omniscience and everything that we would attribute to God. It's not a yin and yang kind of a yeah. concept here. Um, so, but he is smart and he has, we believe, fallen angels, yeah, right? He does. A third of the a angels of, mm-hmm. that left heaven or were cast out of heaven because of rebellion. And on, in some way, they can know us and speak to us and even influence us by speaking deception to our minds. Mm. Um, so, but how do you know? How do you know whether it's just, you know, your own mind talking to you or if it's something really spiritual? And so I believe you will know the lies by their fruit. 
right? Things like resentment, jealousy, anger, entitlement, accusation, arrogance, bitterness, rage. I mean, the Apostle Paul lists the fruit of the enemy all throughout mm -hmm. uh, his books there, brawling, slander, malice, sexual impurity, right? In 1 John 4, um, the Apostle writes this, Dear friends, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits to see whether they are from God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. This is how you can recognize the Spirit of God. Every spirit that acknowledges that Jesus has come in the flesh is from God, but every spirit does not acknowledge Jesus is not from God. So it's a pretty good litmus test yeah, it is. for how to, how to recognize the spirits. Um, you got anything you want to add? Yeah, to you that? know, I think that I think it, it, you know, uh, trying to take this really super overwhelming topic, uh, what the scriptures is doing for us here is giving us a really simple handle. It's like when you're in a situation, if it's all about Jesus, it's probably going to be pretty, pretty okay. Mm -hmm. There may be tension, there may be hard things that have mm -hmm. to be dealt with, but if Jesus is at the center of it, then it's great. Right. And if the fruit of what's coming out of it is love, joy, peace, if that's the environment, if that's the heart mm -hmm. of the people, it's probably not the. It's probably not the demon deception mm -hmm. but rather if there's a lot of conflict that's leading to misunderstandings and lies and sexual immorality and and right. it has nothing to do with Jesus Jesus mm -hmm. is even being challenged in it it's probably a good indication that this is at the very at the very most at the very least it's not it's not something that's edifying and at yeah. the very most uh, you're in a space you're in a room where there's some sort of like spiritual forces going on and uh, you and I had talked at the, uh, the, the at the first recording before we recorded about how <laughs> you and I have been in rooms yeah. where we're like, I am pretty sure mm -hmm. that I am in a room where there are influences in the spiritual realm right. that, and there's a battle going on, and I've got to be really alert and sharp and watch, which right. we're going to get to as we talk about yeah. uh, action items. So, uh, so this is how we recognize the spirit of truth and the spirit of falsehood. Uh, John writes this. He says, um, "Dear children, you're." Uh, are from God and have overcome them because the one who is in you is greater than the one who is in the world. And that is such an important thing to camp out on for a second because no, we're not trying to scare anyone or freak anyone out to say that the enemy is, lit, is whispering deceit to you because he, he can and he will. Mm -hmm. At the same time, the scripture is very clear that greater is he who is in you. The spirit of the living God who is alive in the Christ follower is greater than the deceiver and greater than his minions. And you do not have to receive mm -hmm. the lies. You do not have to receive the falsehood. Mm -hmm. And at the same time, we need to be discerning, right, as to what is true and what is false. And that's that's an enormous part of what it is to be a Christ yes, follower. Yes, it is. Um, and I believe that this deception, one of, the, one of the main things that it leads to is division. The enemy loves to tear things apart, right? God is about reconciliation. The enemy is about division. So in Matthew chapter 12, uh, Jesus says this, Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, every kingdom divided against itself will be ruined, and every city or household divided against itself will not stand. If Satan drives out Satan, he is divided against himself. How then can his kingdom stand? And if I drive out demons by Beelzebul, because he was accused of casting out demons in the name of a demon, by whom you, do your people drive them out? So then uh, they will be your judges. But if it is by the Spirit of God that I drive out demons, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or again, how can anyone enter a strong man's house and carry off his possessions unless he first ties up the strong man? So whoever is not with me is against me, and whoever does not gather with me scatters. So the enemy always wants to place a wedge between people. It could be between your you know, spouses, and we're dealing with divorce, parents and children, racial prejudice, class divisions, church divisions. He would love to split the body of Christ whenever he can. He will always oppose reconciliation. 
right? If you have an impulse mm-hmm. to reconcile and you feel like you don't want to do it, I can guarantee you that is not from the Spirit of God. Yeah, I, I'll give you, uh, again, going back to Adam and Eve, let's think about that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he comes to them and says, okay, God told you not to eat this fruit. It's because mm-hmm. if you do, you'll become like him, right. which is a deception because mm-hmm. they were already made in the image of God. They were already mm-hmm. like God. So they, they, they de- uh, the, the serpent deceived Eve, and then and, and they both ate. And then what happens afterwards? Uh, as soon as they're exposed, Adam blames Eve. Mm-hmm. And, and all of a sudden, there's division among them. So there's that pattern right there. Right. And you see even in the body of that's Christ really today, right now, uh, uh, you know, with the racial tension that's going mm-hmm. on, this is something that's very clear. We've done a whole podcast on it. Check yeah. it out. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, where um, you know, it's very clear that Christ followers have a call to oneness. You know, in, in the book of Ephesians, yeah. where the armor of God passage is, it's all about the Jews and the Gentiles and the wall of division coming down and then being one in Christ. So we know that's our call, but this uh, racial tension, I think the enemy has gotten into yeah. the churches, and a lot of uh, our, our listeners may not know this, but a lot of pastors are really worn out mm-hmm. because they have gotten beat up for trying to take a, a, a particular stand on how to really deal with this racial mm-hmm. reconciliation, which is really clear in the heart of God, and it has created a lot of conflict and tension yeah. in churches around, and you just know that's the enemy not mm-hmm. wanting us to get this racial thing figured out yeah. and uh, but we have to so we see it in, in the Garden of Eden and we see it today uh, very much alive in the church that's really good <clears throat> well so we have deception right which is the primary tool we've got this sense of the enemy always wants to divide right divide and mm-hmm. conquer and something that most of us have had some experience with is discouragement right yeah. discouragement mm-hmm. by definition it's the the absence or the lack of courage it's giving up or losing the will to continue and you know we see this over and over again. We have a counseling department upstairs that dealing with people who struggle with discouragement and depression all the time. And I think this really comes from, from accusation, from the lies from the enemy. The lie is this, you know, you're not good enough. Mm-hmm. Nobody likes you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're not good looking. You're not attractive. You're a failure. You're not successful enough. You don't drive the right car. You don't live in the right neighborhood. You know, over and over again, you know, you're broken. Uh, you're a hopeless failure. And and no one cares what happens to you. And the lies, they just go deeper and deeper and deeper. And if you entertain them, yeah. and if you bring agreement with them, because maybe you're having a bad day, right? This spirals into something that can be very, very destructive. Yeah, and I think what you said at the very beginning, this thing all comes back to the mind mm-hmm. and uh, and scriptures. And I know what we might or might not get to the ones where, you know, hold every thought captive yeah. and guard your heart and mind in Christ Jesus. Right. And I know we're going to get to that, but not to, you know, basically to say, if you you just allow the 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 enemy from the ext- from the outside you know uh, to sort of uh, whisper you know or let someone else whisper mm-hmm. to you a lie or even just in your own head and you ruminate right. on that uh, it's going to bring you down yeah. and 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 we've got to be really careful this this area of discouragement uh, is where most people myself included mm-hmm. live and fight the, the spiritual war every day is uh, with with the thoughts in our head about the yeah. very things you just wrote well and the thing is is these things can get passed on yes the enemy can whisper lies in your ear on a spiritual way but sometimes they're passed on virally via your family or via a friend or via somebody who shares an unkind thought or maybe there are patterns in your family of um trying to keep kids you know i don't know feeling poorly my my own mother had horrible things said to her when she was a really really little girl and Man, if you receive those things and they can, and you don't get reconciliation and resolution, they can stay with you your whole life. 
Yeah, you yeah. sure can. Well, and if you if you're raised in a home where there's this like generational sins, mm-hmm. the scripture talks about it, and you just find that there is this issue of uh, of just watching that love is really not an unconditional thing, but love is conditioned right. on you doing, and you just see that pattern, mm-hmm. and you learn from it intuitively. Okay, this is what love is. Love is not an unconditional thing. So you learn from it. Maybe the enemy was or wasn't involved in that, but most likely kind of right. perpetuated that. That's where the uh, the the enemy can say, I'm going to perpetuate this in your life yeah. by taking what you were raised in and continue it on in your life, and it's just never going to allow you to reach the potential that God has for you because you let that lie that you inherited, right. you didn't you didn't, you didn't, didn't take it out, and that this right. slaying of generational sins in our life it cannot be done in our own strength, and we're mm-hmm. going to learn about that later. Where do we find the strength to right. overcome the strongholds of the enemy? Well, and these things, these patterns, you know, if they are left to their own um, inertia, Mm-hmm. Right, you know, you deal with discouragement, then you and you spiral into depression, and those things continue to have that foothold in your heart and in your mind. It can lead you to destruction. And Jesus says this in John chapter eight: He, being Satan, was a murderer from the beginning. Mm-hmm. He, his desire is to take you out. Mm-hmm. His desire is to see you dead. He's he's a he's a lion prowling around, seeing whom he may devour. So in First Peter, the uh, the author writes, "Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Ultimately, the enemy wants you dead." I know it sounds like it's not an overstatement. No. He wants to take you out. He celebrates in the destruction of a life. Mm. And if Jesus is trying to give you life, the ultimate goal of the enemy is to take away your life. So if deception, divisiveness, discouragement have their way, the outcome ultimately is destruction. And you can it can come in the form of self-harm, and it can come in the form of murderousness, even towards other people. But for the believer, the enemy can't ultimately destroy you, but he will seek to make you useless, selfish, or numb. Yeah, um, yeah, and you're and you're quoting here the screw tape letters right. kind of deal, which I think if you haven't read that or seen uh, mm-hmm. Max Clean, McLean, McLean's rendition of this, yeah. he's just kind of like a solo act. He just does an amazing job with this of just how deceptive. Uh, Satan is yeah. in all of this. You know, this idea of a lion is uh, prowls around. I mean, the 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 uh, the victim of the lion mm. doesn't know right. that the lion is. You know, the wildebeest is kind of is like walking around, kind of dumb. <laughs> You know, and doesn't know it. The lion's not like, "Hey, here I am. I'm coming to get you. I'm going to give yeah. you to the count of ten. I mean, it just, it, it's, it's. You know, you see them, you know, you know, like you know, crawling around and then pounces on right. you. And in uh, Genesis, you know, where uh, you know God is talking to Cain mm-hmm. and just saying, basically, like, if you crack open the door, you need to realize it's like a wolf. That's right. Uh, the Satan is uh, the enemy. He, the, he is out there right outside the door. And if you open it up, and if you can <clears throat> ever seen a horror movie, if you open up the door. Or the the force yeah. of the wolf coming through and taking you, mm-hmm. but if you leave the door locked, mm-hmm. uh, you're going to be okay. And so that's where we got to be careful as yeah. believers. Just even cracking open the mm-hmm. door leaves room for the wolf of the enemy to come in and devour us. Yeah, and the screw tape letters. I remember reading that mm-hmm. C.S. Lewis. That was the hardest book he ever had mm-hmm. to write mm-hmm. because he had to put himself in such a dark space. Yeah to sort of like, what is the perspective of this mind or this spirit that just wants to see you destroyed? Yeah. And 
And if you don't know the premise of the book, there's this demon who is assigned to this guy, uh, and he has this uncle demon who's writing him letters of advice on how to deal with this person. Well, this guy becomes a Christian, and it's like, oh my gosh, it's like the worst possible thing. He like gets demoted, you Mm -hmm. know. He's it's just terrible on his job profile. Like his resume is ruined, but but he still is assigned to this guy, so he's got to figure out ways to mess with this Christ follower, and he does it in ways like not so overtly, but just like, how can we make him comfortable? Mm-hmm. You know, let's just get him comfortable. How can we make him just just a wee bit arrogant? How can mm-hmm. he just look down his nose just ever so slightly at other people, yep. right? Or especially at people who aren't Christians, and just come across with this sort of comfortable sense of self superiority and really enamored with his own maybe his mm-hmm. biblical education, mm-hmm. but not so much that he wants to act on it. Yep. Right. Yep. And so the enemy just kind of takes him. He can't destroy him, but he can make him useless. Yeah, right? and yeah. that's the discernment we're trying to seek. When is the enemy trying to make us useless? Yeah, yeah, I think that's really, really helpful from C.S. Lewis. I'm glad you brought that out. It's not like the old, uh, you know, Civil War battles where they stood in front of each other and <laughs> right. had to take and load their guns and like <laughs> yeah, and I'm going to gonna shoot you in your line, face. Yeah. You know, it wasn't that kind of overt. It's just, mm-hmm. it's, it's just basically this crafty. Right. D- and all the all the enemy has to do is just get us out of the game. Mm-hmm. It doesn't have to destroy us. Just get out of the game. And I think this is the biggest challenge in American Christianity that's almost anesthetized to the yeah. things that really matter. And Satan's just kind of like, ah, we can move to another country right now because they're asleep. Mm-hmm. They're asleep at the wheel. And so right. I think the Satan's schemes have got to wake us up uh, uh, and uh, and make us aware that he is alive and well. Man, so how are we supposed to respond to all this as Christ followers? We've been painting kind of a gloomy yeah. picture here. And, uh, and I understand that it's necessary that we understand, you know, he, these are the tactics that enemy uses. And I think we need to understand that in order to fight them, to resist them appropriately. Mm -hmm. So there's a few things I believe that that we need here. One is community, right? You need Mm -hmm. biblical community, people who share um, the things that you believe about the most important things in life, people Mm -hmm. who understand what salvation Mm -hmm. is, who who believe in the authority of Jesus, because you're not meant to do this alone, Mm -hmm. right? The enemy always wants to isolate you. He always wants to get you Mm -hmm. off get your energy turned inwards, right? Mm-hmm. You become a navel gazer, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and we always get in trouble in isolation. It happens over and over again. Yeah, in Genesis again, I mean, the kind of the playbook, you know, God said it's not good for the man to be alone. Mm-hmm. You know, we talked uh, about the guy that recently was arrested. Uh, he had some mental illness, but mm-hmm. could have been sponsored and by just not having the right kind of community because right. mental illness uh, can find ways uh, where we, you know, where we can live in a, a reasonable life with community and the help of medical professionals. This guy was isolated, wasn't getting help, and right. goes in and just takes out 10 people, and, right. and they said, man, the guy was classic uh, isolation, mm-hmm. and, it, and it just gets in your head, and I think he probably believed he was doing the right thing. Right. So that's kind of an extreme case, but uh, right now, um, isolation uh, in, our, in our world, particularly coming on the heels of a pandemic, has <clears> right. left us utterly isolated and the, the, our minds mm-hmm. have wandered and uh, I think I cannot stress enough that you don't want to wait uh, to build a life of community mm-hmm. uh, until you need it. You want right. to build it as a as a safeguard knowing that that's how God has designed right. you. I can't stress it enough. Uh, the number of people that are experiencing isolation today is leaving, leaving them vulnerable to the enemy's schemes. And you've probably seen this like I have over and over for people is someone... Mm-hmm. 
they make a poor decision, mm-hmm. right? Or they're starting to live in a pattern that they know is not honoring Jesus, right? Maybe it could be sexually, could be partying with alcohol or drugs or things like that. And the first impulse of that person as a Christian generally is always to pull away, yep. right? Suddenly you don't see them at your life group anymore, or they don't really show up on Sunday. And then when you call them and say, oh, I was just really busy, and you start to see this pattern of they're pulling away, they're self, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're isolating themselves by choice, they're self-selecting. Mm-hmm. And then almost always, I just, over so many years of seeing this, you can just go, all right, they got themselves sideways somehow. Yep. And the enemy is saying, you're not worthy, mm-hmm. you should be ashamed, those people are going to judge you. They don't like you anymore. They're going to smell it on you. It's the minute you walk in the door, you should probably just come up with a few excuses and not be there. Anymore. Yeah, the, the, all of a sudden, the, 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 the myth of what people are thinking becomes greater than what actually is right. happening. Again, I take us back to the garden. Mm-hmm. Remember, after the, uh, Satan deceived them and they created division amongst themselves, mm-hmm. what's the very first thing they decided to do? They decided to hide yep. from God. Right. And, uh, and, and that's always the wrong way to go. So if you're in that situation right now, maybe you're isolating yourself because you feel guilty or you mm-hmm. feel whatever you feel, um, you know, just you need to run to community. Yeah. You need to run to it. I know when I dealt with my clinical depression, you know, it was so easy to just stay in bed all day. Mm-hmm. And I just, I didn't go to a lot of people because, you know, right. I didn't want to freak everybody out. Uh, and uh, but I had a small band of people uh, that I mentioned in my new book, His Mighty Strength, that yeah. you know uh, were just they just they just surrounded me and loved me through this deal, mm-hmm. and I just kept forcing myself into that space. Yeah. And once I knew that they loved me, which like took a whole thirty seconds, mm-hmm. you know, once I knew they loved me, I wanted to be in the midst of that sort of body of Christ protection. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. when you start to pull away, when you have that impulse, resist it because that's not. From Jesus, Jesus is not going to separate you from the church. Mm-hmm. He's not going to separate you from other Christ followers. He's going to push you towards them and embrace them. So if you have that impulse, you know it's not from the Spirit of God. Another, I think this may be, in my mind, almost the most this primary, is most important yep. thing to grasp is a sense of identity. Mm-hmm. See, the enemy is wants to accuse you. He wants to condemn you, mm-hmm. right? But possibly the most powerful thing you can do is to declare the truth of who you are in Christ. And over and over through Scripture, we have these declarations of of just truth that fly in the face of all the lies that the enemy wants to throw at you. They're just this understanding that you are a child of God. You are a friend of Jesus, that you have been justified. You have been bought. You have been paid for. You have been redeemed. You are united with the Lord mm-hmm. and one with Him in spirit. You are a member of the body of Christ, mm-hmm. right? You are forgiven. Mm-hmm. You are complete. God God's not done with you yet, yeah. right? You are his poetry. You are his work mm. of art. He's building you up and creating this symphony out of the life as you submit to him. You are hidden with Christ in God. You are a citizen in heaven. We can go over and yeah. over. There are dozens of these proclamations of the truth of who you are and the, to the fly in the face of all the deception and all the lies. Well, it's that God wants to pump you up, you know. Uh, you know, but it's really true. And what we know today about neuroscience, mm-hmm. uh, as and now they call it neurotheology, is that our mind, God wired our mind to work this way, that when we fill our mind yeah. over and over again with the truth of who we are, that it is one of the best things that we can do to fight off the voice of the enemy. And I have to tell you, I'm 45 years in my relationship mm-hmm. with Jesus this year, 45 years, and I 
have not outgrown the need to go back to these right. things over and over again. It's not like, oh, I graduated from mm -hmm. this. I got who I am in Christ. I mean, I'm right. further along than I was, but I just find I've got to keep coming back and keep coming back. And particularly if you're in a spot where you're raising kids mm -hmm. and life is so busy, you know, you think, man, I don't have time to go over these things. I got to get all this stuff. Mm -hmm. I mean, the best thing you can do is set aside an hour. I mean, make it happen. You know, there's yeah. all kinds of ways to do that, to make sure that you are uh, getting yourself equipped for the work that God mm -hmm. has given you. If you're in leadership, you know in, in in the in the marketplace or whatever I mean the the bigger the the responsibility you have the greater the challenge is going to be and you've got to know who you are in Christ yeah. uh, like nobody's business so I know you're gonna put these in the show notes oh right? for sure yeah and you know the enemy is gonna to want to keep telling you all the lies that the world wants to sell you that you know your worth is attached to your wallet your worth is attached to what you look like right mm -hmm. your identity is in your position your status your your neighborhood your how many people how many friends you have on facebook whatever it is how many followers you have on instagram what all of those things right where we try to gain our worth outside of ourselves right and god is saying no your worth is intrinsic because i have declared this to you and i've borne this in you it's yep. not from the outside it's not the stuff you do that makes you uh, valuable. It's not the stuff that you do or that you look like. These things on the outside that where your identity is rooted is rooted on who you are in Christ, in your very soul. And Jesus says you can do all through things through Him who strengthens you. You know, if I can interrupt, mm -hmm. I know we want we got a couple more to go, yeah. and we, you know, in, in, uh, as a daily discipline, I did it this morning. I, I woke up, you know, had uh -huh. my decaf coffee. You don't want to see this guy on caffeine. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I went uh, to the gym and ran my 5K mm -hmm. and uh, did my exercises, came back, cooled off with my protein shake. I mean, mm -hmm. this is this is my routine, man. Yeah. And got into the shower and I immediately went to my desk and I have written on a little notepad, you know, uh, and basically it's like devotion. I listen to the One mm -hmm. app. You know, just yeah. listen to the one app, and then I pray. Mm -hmm. and, and the prayer begins with meditation. And one of the things I say, which is your third category here, you have three categories. Mm -hmm. These are under is that I am significant. Yeah. I pray. I basically say, God, I know I'm significant because of my position as a child mm -hmm. of God. It's not based on my performance. Right now, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna. I'm going to be challenged all day. Right. You know, whether I'm going to run into somebody who's way better than me. Usually, usually the podcast I listen to when mm -hmm. I run is by someone who's way more successful than me. And I have to go like, you know what? That's that's their lane. <laughs> Praise God. I got my lane. It's all about relationships, not accomplishment. Right. And, and then I know, hey, someone's going to possibly try to take away my identity today in you. And I'm just mm -hmm. telling you, it's not up for grabs. So I'm going to be alert. I'm going to be aware. I do that every wow. single day and i'm 45 years in my relationship with christ right. so if you're brand new in your relationship with christ mm -hmm. you know all the more uh you need to build this right. discipline in so this is not just a fanciful list this is this is to be engaged in a spiritual right. discipline for your mind well when you declare the truth like that it's like shining a light in a, in a dark room you know the <clears throat> truth always chases out the deceit mm -hmm. the truth always chases out the lies and we are to be rooted in what is true because there's so much chaos, so much deception, so many layers of lies just in our culture, just constant hostility and division and and um, just sheer declarations of untruth coming from every side of every, every angle. And for you and I, we have to get rooted in who we are in Jesus and say, you know what, no matter what's going on around me, 
you can't take that away. And you know what I found? This might be something that will really hit maybe the practical person. Mm-hmm. I found that when you walk into a room or you live your life where you're strutting his stuff through you, mm-hmm. uh, where you're not uh, entering into sort of a, a contest with who's the biggest and the baddest in a room, right. you just, you're really, right. you know, just you don't have really, something to prove. You have anything yeah. to prove. Yeah. What I find out, those people are more successful. They're just more right. successful. People lean into them. People mm-hmm. like them better. Uh, they just they can walk right. in and out of a room and and maybe didn't contribute. You know, and I just find that overall, yeah. people who have their identity in Christ, in, uh, secure, are way more successful, and they definitely are way happier at the end of the day. Yeah. Oh, that's great. Yeah, because you don't mm-hmm. have that built-in antagonism. You know that we that, change like trying to to to. Uh, what is it when you sum people up? Yeah, yeah. Right. Where do you stand? Like, am I? Am yeah, I better? Pecking you? order. Like, yeah. yeah, exactly. And there's like, there's no need for that because someone else has told you what you're worth. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And 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 I think that what's well, kind of a, it's it's kind of cha- you know uh, changing the scorecard. Mm-hmm. You know, I walked in with a different scorecard. Right. And uh, so consequently, uh, yeah. it really works out well. And I and I just find that overall, I I can think of several people that have that are just successful in their mm-hmm. life. Uh, because that's how they approach life, and God's given you a plan that keeps you not only away from right. the enemy trying to take you down, but not only do you stay neutral, but actually you just do better in life. Because right. you're not playing that game. No, I'm on a, I'm on a different game. Yeah, you're competing with someone who is just not on the court. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not engaging this yeah, because because yeah. that's it, not who I am. Yeah. Yeah, oh, that's fantastic. Good stuff. So I'm class, glad we redid this thing. Uh, yeah, right. Because we didn't have that in the we first. We did not cut. have that. Yeah. yeah. So maybe. take that, Satan. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of Satan, yeah. <laughs> um, the Apostle Paul tells us exactly what posture to face the enemy's deception and schemes. From Once again, Ephesians chapter 6, man. You could mm-hmm. just, just ruminate on this. A while ago, my uh, my boys gave me a ring. I don't have it on right now that has all of the, this thing called the armor of God mm-hmm. written all around it. So from Ephesians 6, it says this, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that... You can take your stand against the devil's schemes. So we've been talking about the devil's schemes, deception, division, discouragement, Mm -hmm. destruction. And he's saying, so those are his schemes. Here's how you stand against it. Mm -hmm. For our struggles, not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, because it's going to come, You may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then. I love that he says stand three times yeah, in yeah. a row there. Because if you're in a battle mm-hmm. and you ain't standing, mm-hmm. it's not going well. Yeah. The guy in the lazy boar in the middle of the battlefield yeah. almost always dies. <laughs> You've seen that. It's got to be in like Braveheart or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah, right. The guy in the lazy boar. I think boar. he's going to die. Oop, he died. <laughs> so there's several items here. He says, then the belt of truth buckled around your waist. What do you think that means? Well, I think as it means two things. Mm-hmm. You know, I did an exegetical right. uh, on this in seminary, and it was life uh, really eye-opening to me because the book of Ephesians is really not a book to individuals. It's a book to the body of Christ, mm-hmm. the Jews and the Gentiles, who are now forming the body of Christ, right. Ephesians chapter 4. And I think belt of truth means two things. Number one, and you've, I know you've got some ideas also about <laughs> Roman, uh, Roman, uh, Roman armor. armor. Yeah. Uh, but the belt of truth, I think, ultimately is basically, you know, um, buckle yourself in the truth of God's word, the truth mm-hmm. of who you are, the truth of who God is, the fact that God is, in fact, bigger mm-hmm. than anything uh, the enemy is going to bring at you. 
Uh, I think buckle yourself with truth is what Jesus did in the temptation uh, against uh, the the enemy Satan in the in the in the wilderness. You know, he quoted the scriptures. He was right there. But I also think that this is a communal concept, mm-hmm. and the the belt of truth is imagine a belt going around a, a, a circle of people, mm-hmm. and and we are tied in together and unified. Yeah. And and I think that what this also means is the belt of truth is like when we are truthful to each other oh, in community, yeah. then the enemy has a, a lot, you know, you think of your relationship with Gwen or mine with right. Roseanne or anybody for that matter, that when we speak the truth in love, which is in the book of Ephesians mm-hmm. chapter 4, mm-hmm. when we speak the truth in love, it keeps the enemy from coming in and destroying right. our community. So I think mm-hmm. it has two things. There's a, an objective sense of right. the truth of God's word individually, mm-hmm. and then there's a subjective, which is that when we speak truthfulness to one another. Right. So the truth binds us together. Yep. And it's actually it's a it's a tool against the divisiveness, yep. right? That could come our way. Yep. And I heard it put this way a long time ago that um, if you're a warrior, you put on the belt. Your belt goes on first, yep. because all the rest of your armor is basically hooked into it, yep. right? So if you're not wearing the belt, everything kind That's of good. falls apart. Yep. So it's the place that you start. You're yep. rooted in the truth. It's the foundation of your armor. And next, he says this with the breath breastplate of righteousness in place mm-hmm. and with your feet. Well, okay, so the breastplate of righteousness, right? Righteousness is kind of one of these odd words. It can seem like a pious, um, mm-hmm. coming from a moral high ground, you're mm-hmm. righteous, looking mm-hmm. down upon everybody else. But really, as a Christ follower, what we believe is Jesus is righteous, mm-hmm. right? He is pure. He was holy. He is in right standing with God. And the righteousness of Jesus has been imputed, which is like Mm -hmm. a theology word, but given to covers Mm -hmm. us with his goodness, with his Mm -hmm. right standing. So we are made in right standing with God because of the right standing of Christ that's been given to us. Yeah. Is that fair to say? Yeah, it's fair. I think it's very fair to say. I think it has, again, a dual meaning to a breastplate of righteousness. I think the breastplate covers the heart, mm-hmm. and the Scripture says, guard your heart and mind oh, in Christ yeah, Jesus. I also think righteousness mm-hmm. means that you already have been given a, uh, a right standing before mm-hmm. God, and so enter into the battle knowing that you're already made right through right. Christ. And, uh, and, and and we talked about this last time that a lot of times the breastplate would actually have a have a, an insignia on it of mm-hmm. the of the of the uh, family's crest, you know. Mm-hmm. And you know, there we got Christ. On, you know, this is who you belong to. But I also think in the sub, that's objective, and I think in a subjective sense is that when we do right by each other, yeah, when we do right by each other, if you can count on me, Troy, to do right by you, and mm-hmm. I can count on you to do right by me, our community, uh, whether we were Jew and Gentile. Or just mm-hmm. two, you know, old guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, um, you know, when we c- can count on doing right by each other because of the motivation and the yeah. rightness of Christ in us, then it's not going to tear our community down very easily. If mm-hmm. it says, "No, not Randy wouldn't do that to me. Right. He does right by me. No, Troy wouldn't do that to me." So I think there's an objective yeah. and a subjective sense. That's awesome. Yeah, I love that <laughs> idea. Just of, you know, too. If you know that you're made right by the work of Jesus, mm-hmm. like you said before, you don't have anything to prove. Mm-hmm. I'm not worried about being found out. Mm-hmm. You're going to find out, well, you did that, you did that because the enemy wants to accuse you. <clears throat> well, what about when you looked at pornography when you were a teenager? Mm-hmm. What about when you slept with that girl in college? What about when you cheated on your taxes yeah. in 1987? What about, like, no, sorry. I have been made righteous. Mm-hmm. Those things may be true. Mm-hmm. But I'm forgiven. Mm-hmm. I am in right standing with God. I am God. free from condemnation before God. If he's not going to condemn me, well, by golly, I'm not letting you condemn me. <laughs> uh, verse 15 says, With your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel 
of peace. Mm. Holy cow, the gospel, right? This mm. is the center of everything for us. It's the sense of the gospel says we are at peace with God because of the work of Jesus, because he did what we could not do for ourselves. Yeah, peace in the scriptures has less to do with the feeling of mm. peacefulness. Uh, Dallas Willard said that if you pursue relational peace, which the word peace is more more of a relational term, mm-hmm. things are right between you and God, you and others, and even right within yourself. You're mm-hmm. right with yourself. When you have relational peace, it leads to the feeling of peacefulness mm-hmm. many, many times. And so again, here we have a, 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 right. a the, you know the gospel, the good news that leads to uh, uh, the enmity between us and God has mm-hmm. now been made right. When I feel like I'm in a good relationship with right. God, I don't do like Adam and even go hide, right. but I run toward the one. I stay in communion with the one who has the power over the enemy in my life. So that's really cool. But then also there's a, that ju- just that sense that when you know when there is peace mm-hmm. in my relationship with my wife and my kids mm-hmm. and my neighbors and brothers and sisters in Christ, when we have peace in our relationship, again, the enemy has a harder time tearing right. us down. So peace in the scriptures is more of a relational term mm-hmm. than it is a feeling. Well, in Philippians 4, right, the peace that passes all understanding will guard your hearts Mm -hmm. and minds Mm -hmm. in Christ Jesus, because the work is done. The work is done. Right? Yeah. So that's that's amazing. Um, In addition to this, take up the shield of faith Mm -hmm. with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. You had like a great uh, analogy with that. Oh, yeah, the shield, you know, Uh and and again, this is coming under the Roman rule. So uh, in Roman times and probably more than that, uh, the enemy would, and you've seen these in some of these sort of medieval, you know, uh, battles, they're shooting arrows of fire at you. And this is, (laughs) and so imagine that again, uh, in, in, in Roman times, they would often. Uh, well, almost always, they would cover their shield with leather and, uh, that had been soaked in water mm-hmm. so that when the fiery dart hit the shield, it would extinguish, and that's what it actually says, would extinguish yeah. the fiery darts of the evil one. But again, it's not just individual, but you've seen these where where, where an army is standing together and they put their shields together mm-hmm. to protect one another, where it's, it's, it's a frontal attack or right. a communal attack. They gather in a circle and the shields come together right. And the enemy's fiery darts can't come in and blow your community up or place you on fire because not only has your shield been been saturated with God's mm-hmm. word that that distinguishes it, but it's been joined together so there's no opening yeah. to get in. So you can have your shield, you know, mm-hmm. all but and you can have your but if there's a big old gap between us, mm-hmm. the arrow gets into our community right. and starts a bonfire that's going to destroy us. And so the idea is both individual and community. Yeah. The shield of faith, that's fantastic. Take Take the helmet of salvation, right? Obviously, it's we're talking about the, the work of Jesus, that we are saved, that we are declared made right with God, and the sword of the Spirit, mm. which is the Word of God. Mm. Well, we Westside, we say, you know, the, the Bible, we live and die by God's Word. That's right. And um, and it's the core, this is, this, is the, uh, this is the special revelation of how we know God, how we know to be in relationship with Him. And it's a very special thing. I got to tell you though, you know, when I was um, when I was a lot younger, when I was like eighteen, I went to this Bible college for a year, mm-hmm. and then I went and sang for a couple of years in a group, and then I went to university and I was studying Bible the whole time. And you know, it's one thing to hear the the truths about God's word, and it's like, oh yeah, that's great, okay, yes, this is what we do, and then I'm off to my next thing, you mm-hmm. know. But the older I get, the more amazed that I am at the miracle of Scripture. Mm-hmm. The more insightful it is, the more powerful it is, the more profound it is, the more I see 
how it's it's the way it's self-referential through the Old Testament and the New Testament. It's just it's miraculous, mm-hmm. and then it speaks to us in such powerful, insightful ways. And I just, you know, and I'm sure you, you you've been teaching the Bible and went to seminary and everything. And the older we get, it's like the more I go. There's no other way to explain this thing. There isn't. I, and, and I tell you, the sword of the spear. This is one of the few uh, items on the list in the armor of God yeah. that can be both defensive and offensive, mm-hmm. and uh, and I think it needs to be used both ways. One to ward off the enemy, but another one to attack the gates of hell. You know, yeah. to be honest with you. And uh, I do believe that uh, this is exactly what Jesus did and modeled for us in John chapter four. I think it is mm-hmm. when he goes into the wilderness, uh, and Satan is tempting him. The evil one's doing exactly what he did because. Jesus is referred to as the second Adam, right. so he's the kind of the do-over, the first Adam who didn't do so well. Right. He's trying the lies again. He's trying yeah. the lies again. He's mm-hmm. trying to deceive him. He's, and 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 then the uh, the the audio is cheated, Jesus, <laughs> you know that's that crazy voice. But you know, and he's trying to deceive Jesus. Who uh, yeah. and and what does Jesus do? Jesus quotes scripture. Mm-hmm. And, and another thing for me is uh, I've had uh, a, a friend who's now a believer who said, I don't understand how you can keep reading the same book. When I read a book, I read it and I'm done with it. But right. the church for over 2,000 years right. gets together and reads and discusses the same book over and over again. Mm-hmm. Truthfully, Randy, have you seen anything new in it? And I have to tell you, Troy, if your heart is open, it's hard not to see something new right. every single time that you need just for that moment in time to uh, yeah. to get through life. I'm constantly astounded by mm-hmm. it. Um, so there's another another thing I think that's really important for us, repentance and renewal. Repentance is a word we don't, doesn't get a lot of traction mm-hmm. with a lot of people because it kind of sounds like, you know, mm-hmm. the guy on in the park with the bullhorn, repent, mm-hmm. you know. But Jesus said, right, mm-hmm. in Matthew chapter 4, at the beginning of his ministry, he went out and he began to preach repentance for the mm-hmm. kingdom of God is near. And repentance just means this. You turn 180 degrees from godlessness to God, mm-hmm. right? The without God life to the with God life, mm-hmm. dark to light, sin to holiness, your goodness to the goodness of Jesus. And it renoun- it's renouncing the old world and announcing the new in Christ, right? We become a new creation. The old man is dead. Mm-hmm. We are new in Christ. Through Scripture, we are encouraged mm-hmm. to repent of sin, right? Sin is godlessness. It's putting something else on the throne. And Jesus said, repent for the kingdom of God is near. So we're turning away from the kingdom of this world towards the kingdom of God, mm. replacing the old values and ways of doing things with the new fruit of the Spirit and the imitation of Christ. So in Romans chapter 12, the Apostle Paul says this, do not be conformed to this present world, right? Repent, mm-hmm. be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may test and approve what is the will of God, what is good and well-pleasing and perfect. Man, I love Romans chapter 12. Mm. So all that to say that there's the kingdom of the world, and there's the kingdom of God. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God. Why? Because the world wants to destroy you, wants mm-hmm. to bring you down. Yeah. And all these other things that you were wanting, mm-hmm. uh, if you still want them after mm-hmm. you seek the kingdom of God, right. will be given to you as well. And I think that's that same thing out of the uh, uh, same passage in the, in, in, the, in the Psalms, which says, set your 
uh, desires on the Lord. Delight so, yourself. So, in delight the yourself Lord. in the Lord, and He'll give you desires yeah. in your heart. If you do step, thing. if you do step one, mm-hmm. uh, delight yourself in the Lord, like really right. focus on His kingdom. He'll give you the desires of your heart. I bet you the desires of your heart change yeah, somewhere after you desire, delight yeah. in the Lord. And I would also say, you know, the word met, repentance is metanoia, uh-huh. which means to turn, it means change of mind. It doesn't mean to say, "Oh, I'm sorry that I got caught." Um, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and I think we have a lot of misconceptions about the concept. It is, it is, the, it is a it is an awareness uh, with the intent mm-hmm. to change your mind and to move in the opposite direction, away from God, toward God. And I think right. that, that 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 term needs to be revisited today, and uh, and it needs to be brought back into the Christian community because repentance doesn't mean what everyone thought it meant. It meant something so much more powerful. Mm-hmm. And the concept of you know uh, don't be don't be uh, conformed to the world. That's an outside in molding. You know the yeah. Phillips translation. Don't let the world squeeze you into its own mold. Hmm. Because I think we may chat about this in a, in a little bit, in a moment. If not, let's say it now and we'll reset it again. Is for the believer, Satan can't set up his operations inside of you. Mm-hmm. You have been bought with the price. You right. belong to Jesus. But his, mo- his, his, his base of operations can be external. And, he, uh, and his influence on the world and you directly can conform right. you to look like the world. But the word transformation, which is where to get our word metamorphosis, you know, where the butterfly in the cocoon, mm-hmm. it's a transforming of our minds from the inside out will lead you to test and approve what the will of God is. And what I've learned about the will of God through the life of Jesus is that when you align your life to the will of God, it unleashes the power of God because the power of God is reserved for the will of God. What you're really trying to get at to really have the power to overcome the evil one is to align your life to the kingdom or the will of God because when that happens, now Satan has to deal with the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And the Holy Spirit kicks the stuffing out of Satan every single time. <laughs> but if you are trying to right. live in your own will, well, good luck mm-hmm. with all of that. Yeah, well, and here's the thing is, you know, you 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 can make choices. As a Christ follower, you know, even, with, mm-hmm. even having the indwelling of the Spirit of God, you still make choices as to the spirit of things you invite into your world, mm-hmm. invite into your home, yeah, invite into your heart, invite into your mind. So be careful mm-hmm. of the things you invite into your mind. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to say it, you know, don't, don't mess around with stupid stuff. Can, mm-hmm. can we just just say that? Yeah. Don't play with Ouija boards. Don't don't mess around with things like astrology and tarot cards and palm reading. Right? The the enemy has a whole. These are his tools. Mm-hmm. These are his. And I know we can have kind of a sick curiosity and it's kind of intriguing and dark mm-hmm. and edgy. Mm-hmm. But you do not know what you're goofing around with. Talking about things like spirit guides and fortune telling. Um, fascination with witchcraft or dead things, right? Mm-hmm. Even the music that you listen to, the movies that you watch, things that deal with you know par- paranormal things. Well, I remember seeing The Exorcist when mm-hmm. I was like 14 or 15 yeah. years old. Mm-hmm. My mom did not know, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> and um, it really messed with me. Yeah. I mean, I, I felt like a, an oppressive darkness with me for a while. And even to this day, you know, if I if I ruminate on things that are clearly not of God, yeah. um, especially like paranormal kinds of things, and I've had times when I felt a presence in my room. Mm-hmm. I've had times when I felt pressure on my chest, laying mm-hmm. in my own bed. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm not trying to be sensational. I'm telling you this this is my experience, and. I've had to pray through those things, and I've had to declare the truth of who I am in Christ, and I've had to say, you know, in the name of Jesus, you have no place here. I'm a child of God. Mm. Don't invite these things into your world because you do not understand them. I think a lot of Americans would say, oh, there's nothing to Ouija boards and astrology and tarot cards and palm readings. 
Uh, no, there is. Now, some of it's a bunch of bunk. You know, mm-hmm. uh, the Leap of Faith movie with Steve Martin. There's a bunch of people right. out doing even Christian things that don't have any uh, teeth to them. But uh, the Old Testament and the New Testament says these things are real. The spirit world does exist. And mm-hmm. if people uh, traffic in this, that's why when you go to northern India, mm-hmm. where they live in this space all the time, it's really pretty real. So this stuff is not fake. Right. Uh, there's some people making some maybe some false money reading your palm, but there's a lot of it that's real. And if you enter into it, I mean, the scripture has warned you, it's real. Stay mm-hmm. away from it. You don't need to know anything more. It's basically we are like little toddlers mm-hmm. when it comes to playing with this stuff. Right. We are not smart about this. We're like toddlers, and our parents say, don't touch that hot stove. Mm-hmm. God's saying to us, you don't understand Ouija boards and all mm-hmm. this stuff. I'm just telling you, you don't need to know any more about it other than right. don't touch it. Right. And uh, if you do, you're going to put yourself... And, and, and I, have ex- I haven't experienced that a lot, Troy, but I remember one particular time uh, I was in, in an overnight deal. It was actually a prayer retreat. I was discipling a couple guys, and, yeah. and I was in a room, and... Uh, and man, I just I tr- I I try my best to say no, it's not this or that, but I was I was convinced to this day. And then what was going on in the guy's life that I was in the room with, mm-hmm. it ultimately proved itself out that he was really, uh, man, I don't know, something was going on in his life, it, and he and it was awful. And I really do believe it was real, and it mm-hmm. shocked me. I don't see it all the time, right. uh, but boy, you just want to stay away from it, run from it, don't yeah. lean into it, man. Yeah, don't play with these things, don't. you know. <laughs> and the thing is, you have the Spirit of God, right? And you have the Spirit of truth. Jesus says the Holy Spirit is the Spirit of truth, and He will remind you and convict you and mm-hmm. direct you and guide you. Don't invite any other spirits to yep. have influence in your life. Mm. Um, so take the lies, take the destructive thoughts, take all that negativity, take all that... Uh, hostility and death and replace it with something good, right? Mm -hmm. The Apostle Paul writes this in Philippians. Finally, brothers, Mm -hmm. whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there's anything worthy of praise, think about these things. Mm -hmm. Not those things. Mm -hmm. Think about these things. What you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things. And the God of peace, mm-hmm. right? We talked about peace before, will be with you. Mm-hmm. You want peace. <laughs> you don't, you're not going to get peace from the tarot cards. You're mm-hmm. not going to get peace from the Ouija board. You're not going to get peace from the, the, the little, you know, goof of a seance. You're not going to get peace from any of that. You're going to get conflict. You're mm-hmm. going to get hostility mm-hmm. and division, right? God is trying to give you peace. In Hebrews chapter 12, it says this then, let us throw off everything that hinders. Mm-hmm. And the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. If you want to know what to think about, if you want to know Mm -hmm. what to look at, if you want to know what to fix your heart and your mind upon, fix it on Jesus. And in Colossians chapter 3, since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, Mm -hmm. where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Above, yeah, I think uh, this these passages. First of all, Philippians four six through nine is probably the ultimate, you know, uh, uh, verse of any licensed counselor because right. this is the pathway <laughs> to peace that everyone's looking for. Right. But these three passages out of Philippians, Hebrews, and Colossians, mm-hmm. as you said, all deal with our mind, what we occupy ourselves with, in our heart, and this is a huge, huge, mm-hmm. uh, 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 you know, clarion call 
you know, for believers that, you know, don't let your mind uh, just run off mm-hmm. in any direction, you know, take it captive right. uh, for sure. And I just tell you this, you know, we, I, I'm no purist <clears throat> on any of this. You know, there are times <clears throat> when I'm watching a TV show or a movie or something. And I, I just sit here going, I got no business watching this, right. you know, like when, when I was, when I was young, I, I really, I struggled with, um, <clears throat> Well, I struggle with pornography, but mm. specifically dealing with lust and that mm-hmm. kind of thing. And when the world around you is berating you with sexual imagery and mm-hmm. sexualizing everything, you have to choose what you're going to set your mind and your heart on. You have to choose not to submit and receive that spirit because, and everyone's got a different Achilles, Yeah. right? I know yeah. I have a friend who has issues with gambling. I got friends who have issues with just, you know, with pride or whatever it yeah. is. And whatever that thing is, you got to set your heart on Jesus, you gotta set your heart on things above, things that are good, things that are beautiful. Don't deliberately watch things or, or bring things in that you already know you struggle with. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, you're yeah, you setting can, yourself up for failure. Yeah, I mean, even setting your heart on, you know, where your treasure is, there where your heart be also. Even even the pursuit of money, uh, you know, over the kingdom of God. You know, we try to tell our kids, you know, put yourself in the center of God's wheel. Do what you he, you believe He wants you to do and make as much money as you can doing that but but don't make it the other way around because <laughs> right. it'll lead you to a very very dark path and um and just be super careful of, of the comparison game either like you mm-hmm. can you can just put way too much energy and time you know i went to the gym today and sometimes you know i look around and like man i'll you know i you know i'm never going to be in that good of a shape mm-hmm. or i'm just a right. slug bug and all that kind of stuff and anytime you get into the comparison game so mm-hmm. it doesn't even have to be even something as serious you know uh you know uh, you know as as pornography it could be just something simple mm-hmm. like uh just a comparison kind of thing you set your mind on that and you're right. constantly putting yourself in this pecking order that you're no good right. and it just and then at night oh my gosh i don't know about you you know but when i wake up in the middle of the night my mind's already thinking about something and then i ruminate on it right. ruminate on it and this is when that that philippians 4 passage really comes in it's like <laughs> okay uh, i'm going to try really hard here i'm not going to think about uh-huh. that conversation right. that I had today where I think I now realize the person is trying to goad me and I now I get all angry. I'm gonna think what's what's is that lovely or pure? I ain't lovely or pure. I'm gonna think <laughs> about I'm gonna think about something completely right. else. I'm right. gonna think about uh, the fact that my I have a son who mm-hmm. is uh, is enjoying a relationship right now that it's bringing him joy and I close my eyes and I think of that last Zoom call I had with him right. and the smile on his face and how much I long to see him have the smile on his face and he has that smile on his face today mm-hmm. and that just brings so much joy to my heart right. and I just start thinking about those things right. and uh, it really helps. Well, it's about replacement, right? Because yeah. you sit there, okay, I'm not going to think about that girl. I'm not going to think about that girl. I'm not going to think about that girl. And all you can do is think about that girl. That's right. Right. So you're going to replace that with something else. We're going to declare the truth. We're going yeah. to we're going to root ourselves uh-huh. right in the the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. We're mm-hmm. going to think on things that are beautiful and worthy and noble and and wonderful. And we're going to replace those things. But we're going to renew our minds yeah. by the power of the Holy Spirit. And there may be no better way to put on the full armor of God than through worship. I mean, in worship, you declare your faith, you declare mm-hmm. the gospel, you declare the righteousness of God, the truth about who God is mm-hmm. and about who you are in relationship with him. And I, I, was, I swear to you, the enemy cannot stand when God's people gather and they worship in spirit and truth. He mm-hmm. cannot stand it. It's just like mm-hmm. shining a light in the dark. It chases out the darkness. And so we, 
I think that's a wonderful way for you to combat those negative thoughts, those those replace, right, and renew your mind through worship. In Ephesians 5.17, it says this. Uh, Paul writes, For this reason, do not be foolish, but be wise. That's that's good advice mm-hmm. right there. But understanding what the Lord's will is, and do not get drunk with wine, which is debauchery, but filled with the Spirit, mm-hmm. speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing and making music in your hearts to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father, right? Always giving thanks. Tell you what, man, gratitude is a solution to a lot of negativity. Yep. Boy, you can't, uh, an entitlement and gratitude, right, can't occupy the same heart. Always giving thanks to God the Father for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Mm. Holy cow. Yeah, let me say a couple things there. One, going back to Philippians 4 passage again, it, you know, it says, right before it says, you know, we uh, we, we should offer our petitions to God, mm-hmm. it, it also says to, for us to engage in thanksgiving. And you're so absolutely right, a, a heart that is constantly, you know, uh, constantly writing down your blessings and praying and worshiping to God in this way is uh, really, really a, a, a powerful thing. And again, uh, the concept of not being drunk with wine, what does that mean? Well, because being drunk with wine is where you lose your faculty to control the situation. You're letting mm-hmm. the spirit with a small s overtake right. your mind. Instead, when you uh, you need to be filled with the spirit, capital S, good, yeah. right, uh, which is going to guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. It's going to lead you down the right path. And uh, and and then you know, and and I know this has been a big part of your life, mm-hmm. uh, and really recommend your hero worship class, which is going to yeah. be uh, something that we really are going to be offering in the days to come on a more broad scale. But just entering into this sort of way of life that that this these spiritual disciplines is what it helps us to fill up with the Spirit, right? Right, absolutely. And I would say this, all of these things are done in the context of prayer, mm-hmm. right? Prayer is that intimate, interactive, daily mm-hmm. walking, coming and going relationship that you have with God. Mm-hmm. And sometimes you're on your knees and it's a very focused time. And sometimes it's just like Brother Lawrence said, practicing mm-hmm. the presence of God mm-hmm. as you go, praying without ceasing, walking in relationship with Him. And so declaring the truth, acknowledging who he is, acknowledging your identity in Christ. These are all rooted in prayer. They're Mm. rooted in relationship Mm. with him. And so that's your divine connection with the Holy Spirit who is alive in you. This is the miracle, right? Mm -hmm. Christ in you, the hope of glory. And that gives you power to live a victorious life. I mean, mm-hmm. you wrote a whole book about, you know, the power of Christ in me, the mm-hmm. power that raised Jesus from the dead is a power that can resurrect my soul. Mm-hmm. So Ephesians chapter six says this, and pray in the spirit, right? The Holy Spirit, the mm-hmm. capital S. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> On all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests, with this in mind, be alert, be alert. Mm-hmm. Be watchful, be careful, mm-hmm. be, be aware, and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Hmm. And Jesus, finally, he just tees it up here, right? You know, the apostles said, you know, when we pray, it doesn't, I don't think we're doing it right. Why don't Mm -hmm. you teach us how to pray? Mm -hmm. Jesus says, okay, well, here's how you do it. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors and lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And Jesus himself says, pray that the enemy will have no toehold mm-hmm. in your mind or in your heart. I think spiritual warfare prayer is, uh, you know, uh, for some people, uh, maybe a strange thing, but I think we can, uh, you know, we, I think we can just declare 
over our families, over our hearts, over our lives, that the enemy has has no jurisdiction, has no right. claim over us. We belong to Christ, and I think we can pray that in the authority of Jesus, right. you know, uh, and uh, and I think this is what Jesus is is basically telling us, man, ask, you know, just pray this, mm-hmm. Father, deliver us from temptation. Again, let it lead us not into temptation. And again, going back to the Garden of Eden, mm-hmm. you know, uh, is it was all about a temptation mm-hmm. that l- 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 d- uh, that led them into evil, of which we are sitting here talking today because we need redemption, we need a right. savior, because that one temptation mm-hmm. uh, delivered all of humanity into evil, and we're basically saying, I don't want to repeat that pattern in my life. And again. He starts the prayer off with, you know, aligning our life mm-hmm. to the will of God as the number one aspect yeah. of our prayer. Watching the one campaign, uh, the the, uh, the our, our final session with the watching group was watching the, mm-hmm. uh, Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. And there's something about the visual image of of just the, the, the how they had Jesus pictured the anguish on the mm-hmm. face of Jesus saying, like, man, is there any way I can get out of this? Let this cup pass for me. But not my will, but your will be done. Just the fortitude of Jesus. Wow. To, to to know what Roman crucifixion was right. about and yet say and in and, and you know at the end of the day he prayed that it was the will of the Father for him to go through that experience. Yeah. It was very difficult. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, in my opinion, did, the Father did not forsake him, did not turn away from him, and was walking with him through that six-hour experience plus everything in the preliminary. And at the end of the day on, uh, you know, at the end of, I guess, the beginning of the day on Sunday, you know, uh, the the Trinity, you know, worked Jesus through that experience. He's resurrected from the dead and has provided a solution for all humanity to come into a a relationship with God, and that same kind of that same kind of pattern can be true in our life when we uh, make the will of God the yeah. driver of our life, and when we do, it will do the most to keep us away from the temptation that and deliver us from the evil one. Boy, that's powerful, man. Especially as we're as we're uh, recording this, we're headed towards Easter, and mm-hmm. so we're uh, all leaning our hearts in the direction of, of just that celebration on Sunday morning. Um, and so I will say this, just to kind of as we start to summarize and we, we close this up, you know, there are two big mistakes that we can make. One is we can obsess over the sort of sensationalistic, edgy, scary, mm-hmm. tantalizing end of this idea of spiritual warfare where we're digging into these things that they're, you know, and, and you can start to see a demon behind every bush. Mm-hmm. The other problem, the other mistake is to completely ignore it and pretend like it doesn't exist. And what I'm saying here is there, there is a, there's a marriage of theology and psychology, that there is a reality of the supernatural and its interaction with the natural. And we are whole beings. We are, we are spirit, we are mind, we are body, all of these things. And there's far more overlap to those things than we would all really like to admit. Mm. And so all that to say is like, as you seek the spirit of God, you want to be in community that supports and loves you and understands these things. But you may also come into a situation where it is beyond your immediate relationship's ability to address the complexity of what you're dealing with. Mm. So a place like Westside, we have a counseling department of godly counselors who are Christ followers who understand the things of the Spirit, and they're also very well-versed in in psychology, and they have those kinds of credentials and academic Mm -hmm. uh, scholastic tools. And so people like that are there for you to love you and to walk you through some things that maybe you need an extra level of community to support you in. Mm. And a place like Westside has that. You can find that lots of places, but we just want to make sure that you you get the kind of help you need. So 
We're going to place uh, in the show notes, we're going to have yeah. a couple of books recommended for you. I'm going to put this whole outline there for you. We're going to be mm-hmm. able to declare your identity in Christ mm-hmm. and all these other scriptures. And um, our heart's desire is to serve you and to love you and not to create any spirit of fear because you've not been given a spirit of fear, mm-hmm. but a power and of love and of a sound mind given to you by Christ Jesus. Mm-hmm. And we want to point you at the end of the day, we're pointing you to him. Mm-hmm. So... God bless you. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Randy, for your time and just for your wisdom. And um, let me pray for you guys as we leave. Jesus, Mm -hmm. we just ask for everyone who is listening Mm -hmm. to this, Lord, that you intersect with their story and reveal yourself to them in a beautiful, powerful, loving, gracious, overwhelming way that they would know how special and precious they are in your Mm -hmm. name and that the lies, the voices, the confusion that the enemy has been berating them with has no dominion Mm -hmm. when you are present. Mm -hmm. Help them to know your voice above all the other voices Mm -hmm. and your peace above the chaos and confusion that swirls around us, that we are more than conquerors Mm -hmm. in Christ Jesus who bought us Mm -hmm. and made us and does not condemn us. Mm -hmm. We offer this in the great name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Bless you guys. We'll talk to you next time. We hope the conversation has challenged you and perhaps sparked some new ideas. If you'd like some additional notes and helpful links, visit the episode page at westsidefamily.church slash podcast. And if you have questions, we'd love to hear them. Our last episode of the season, we'll devote an entire show to your questions. So you can also tell us what topics you'd like to hear and discuss in the future. Thank you for joining us today and God bless you.